everyone. Again, glad that you're here. I don't know about you, but I, I'm loving uh, doing this study on First John. Uh, if you have missed parts of it, don't worry about it, because John just keeps repeating himself. So we just keep coming back to truths over and over and over again. And again, I figure if John keeps repeating himself, then there must be a reason for it, so I'll do the same. Uh, we'll keep looking at things that are really, really, really important. And so this morning we're going to kind of look at some of the truths we've been looking at, but John's going to, every time he restates them, he restates these truths with just a little different twist. Hey, Troy, just because he's repeating himself doesn't mean you should leave. Uh, it's still really good. First John chapter 4. Uh, in First John 5, I'll hear about that later, I know. First John 5, verse 20, John says this, this is from the message, and we know that the Son of God came so we could recognize and understand the truth of God. What a gift. We are living in the truth itself. In God's Son, Jesus Christ, this Jesus is both, and here's the phrase I love, true God and real life. He's both true God and real life. And when we know this Jesus, we walk in truth. And this is not some, just some esoteric idea about what is truth, what is life. Truth is found in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And we need to be on guard against everything that is false. Looks like truth, but isn't truth. A facsimile, as he says. And so we're going to look at that again today about how to stay on track, how to know what is true love versus false love, how to know what is real versus what is fake. I want to talk about a little bit about finding and maintaining your bearings, staying on, staying on track. Uh, my wife has many, many wonderful, incredible characteristics, uh, but Sense of direction is not one of them. Uh, if you've ever been with my wife driving anywhere, you could end up anywhere. Uh, when we first moved to Birmingham, she basically figured out how to get from the Galleria to the house. Galleria house. And if it was outside of that, then I had to reference everything to the Galleria or the house. Um, you know, it was before we had GPSs, and so it was a constant. And if you're ever, like, on an elevator with her, this is really fun. Don't tell her I told you this, but... Uh, she's out of town today, so maybe you'll forget by the time you see her again. Anyway, whenever she's on an elevator and the doors open, she walks out and bolts right. And now it doesn't matter what direction she's supposed to be going, but she bolts out the door and turns right. And just, if you're ever in an elevator, just watch. It's really fun. And then she'll stop and she'll kind of think about where am I supposed to be going. But she's in a hurry to get out of that elevator and head, head right. Now, I, I have certain sense of direction. I, I usually know which way I'm facing, and, and I, I know where north, east, south, and west is most of the time. Uh, but I, I don't know if you've ever been to a place like New York where you get on the subways, and you ride around on the subways in the dark, and you've got like two or three different staircases or escalators or whatever to get on the subway and then to get out. And then you come up on the street, and you have no idea which way you're facing. You have no, no idea which way anything is. Now, because most of the time I have a sense of direction, I can, I can pretty much 
for some reason, it's weird. You, I just know where, which way I'm facing most of the time. But when you, it's so disconcerting to come out and have no idea where anything is. And so you just have to stand there for a second. Now, you can do like my wife does and just turn right and head somewhere. Or you can do like I do, which is just stand there trying to figure out what it is I'm supposed to be doing. And usually there's a group of tourists standing there with you trying to figure out. You know where the tourists are in New York because they're the ones just standing still trying to think, where am I going? Where, which way? And this is the thing about finding our bearings even in the spiritual life. We have a couple of options. We can either be frozen in fear, just standing in the corner not going anywhere, or we can be just moving and thinking that moving is the same as doing and headed in the right direction. I believe John is really trying to help us find our bearings so that we do move in the right direction. He's already stated over and over again in this letter, what is most important is fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. Loving God, loving one another. We've said it over and over again in the history of our church, Christianity is in its basic nature relational. Relationship with God, relationship with one another. And John reiterates these truths that we need to have fellowship with God, need to have fellowship with one another. But as you know, relationships don't just happen. They have to be intentional. It's hard to maintain relationships. I mean, you've probably all moved from one place to another where you had a group of friends and now you've moved and those group of friends you don't see all the time. You don't see them every day or whatever the case may be. If you're going to maintain that friendship, you're going to have to be intentional about it. It's not, over time, it's just going to kind of wane away. And John wants us to stay focused and to stay on track. So today, we want to look at what is false versus what is true, and we want to continue to maintain our bearings. So 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, in a very famous famous passage from this book. Let's look at it together. He says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Today, true love, false love, staying on track versus getting off track. And just two points, though it'll take me a minute to get through the the both of them. The first one is this, develop discernment. Develop discernment. He says here, dear friends, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every spirit, but instead, test the spirit to see whether they are from God. And he moves on from there. 
We, need to, we are living in a day, people, when we need to test the Spirit. Test to see if something is true or if it's false. Now, let me just say this, that since the, the advent of the worldview known as postmodernism, the whole idea that there is a truth and there is something false is even at, up for debate. I mean, there's this whole view, and has been for some time, that there is no such thing as ultimate truth. It's popular today to see all teachings as various roads that lead to God or lead to wherever you think you should be headed. And that it's fine for you to be on the, your certain track. I've told this before, but I I will never forget my eighth grade algebra teacher. And this is a long time ago. This is kind of the pre-advent of postmodernism. He was kind of a hippie uh, back in the 70s, still had long hair, and we thought he was really cool. And he kind of had this mindset, and he he meditated, and, you know, it's just eighth grade algebra, whatever can make that fun you know, whatever. Uh, But he used to say to us, you are a perfect whatever you are. You are a perfect whatever you are. And it sounded so good until I grew up and realized that's just a load of nothing. I mean, basically the idea of postmodernism says, hey, whatever you are, you're great at it. You're perfect. I read some years ago about a pastor who was uh, teaching an introduction to Christianity class for people who are spiritual seekers and inquirers. And his method was this. His method was he would take a jar full of jelly beans and he would say to the class, how many jelly beans are in this jar? Guess. Guess how many beans are in this jar? So they would all start writing down. And then he said, right below that, write your favorite song. What is your favorite song? He would go on and talk for a while, then he'd come back at the end of class, and he would say to them, all right, there are this many beans in the jar. And they would kind of compare. And then he'd go around and say, hey, what's your favorite song? And then he would say to them this, when it comes to spiritual truth and finding God, is it more like how many beans are in the jar or what is your favorite song? Do you understand the question? He said, as you look for truth, would you say it's more like what is your favorite song, which is an opinion, versus an absolute truth to how many beans are in the jar? Most of the class would answer, it's more like what is your favorite song. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? That, that we today see it as just opinion or viewpoint or you know, what is my favorite song? There's no right or wrong answer to what is my favorite song because we all have different tastes in song. That's where we need to really develop discernment, to understand the truth. Now, here's one of the things that John is saying. He says, test the spirits. Test the spirits so that you can know what the truth is. Recently, uh, I had to, I was going on a trip, so I got some $100 bills to go on this trip. 
I don't usually carry hundreds. Uh, I went into the um, airport as we were leaving to go to Haiti to spend this $100 bill. Uh, and so I handed him a $100 bill. And I, I don't know if you've seen the new hundreds. I haven't been carrying many hundreds lately. It evidently, it got redesigned like two years ago. And it doesn't look right to me. It doesn't, I don't know why. There's something about the feel and the look of it. It just doesn't look right. So I go to give $100, and then I'm always thinking, oh, they're going to think this is a fake 100 because it doesn't look right to me. But then she pulls out this magic pen, and she writes on my 100, except nothing shows up on the, the 100, and then she says, okay, you're good, and she gives me change. And so the other day I was thinking, after I got back, I was thinking, I wonder what's in that, I wonder what that magic pen is that the lady is using. So I looked it up in case you wonder. Uh, here's what the magic pen does. It's a counterfeit detector pen. Sounds really fancy, doesn't it? And it's extremely simple. You may, some of you already, may already know this, but it uses an iodine solution that reacts with the starch in wood based paper to create a black stain. When the solution is applied to fiber-based paper, which the government uses, it makes no mark. So what you don't want to see on your 100 is a mark. Do you understand? So it's an iodine-based solution. I, I, I don't understand. Some chemical reaction so that the people who just use copy paper, uh, it, it reacts to that. How are we going to test the spirits? For me, uh, a lot of people I've heard use this passage to test the spirits like it's kind of what feels right or doesn't feel right. Kind of like picking up the hundred and saying, eh, this just doesn't look right. Now, I, I, don't, I, I, believe, I believe in a spiritual gift of discernment of spirits. I believe in that spiritual gift. But John isn't headed that way right now. John isn't saying this isn't about what you feel. He's going to say you're going to be able to discern this spirit based on a theological truth. Based on like that pen, which is based on a chemical reaction. John is saying here's the way you can test the spirits. And it's, a, it's actually a theological discussion. He says that anyone who acknowledges that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh is from God. And anyone who doesn't isn't. That's pretty dramatic, don't you think? And by the word acknowledges, he doesn't mean just intellectually. He means commits to the truth that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. The incarnation, we've talked about this just a couple of weeks ago because he hit it hard then. This is where he starts kind of reviewing and reiterating himself. That God himself, revealed in human flesh, is the test that John is giving us. Doctrinal truth about who Jesus is, is is the plumb line, so to speak, for truth, and it is not up for debate. This is where we in our society, our age, are really struggling. John's line is very clear. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. You see, if Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, nothing else about the story of Christ matters. If Jesus is not God in the flesh, the cross doesn't matter. 
Because it wasn't just a man who died on the cross. It wasn't just even a good man, a great man, a great teacher. If Jesus Christ is not God in the flesh, the cross doesn't matter because what matters and the only thing that's powerful enough to save us is holiness, perfection, God in the flesh. God died on the cross for us. We live in an age where God himself isn't even named. We just now refer to a higher power. Now, I'm not, I'm not railing against 12-step programs. I understand there's purpose and plan, and there, there's some awesomeness about it. But we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't, we're not referring to just a, a higher power, unnamed higher power. We are referring to God Almighty, Jesus Christ in the flesh. The rich mercy of God is given. The sun and the rain falls on the good and the bad, right? But, and that's kind of, that's kind of the idea of, of the, oh, what is the term, Mark? Common grace. Common grace, which is given to everybody. But what's important for us to realize is that if we're going to really walk into the grace and this relationship with God, then we have to do it through Jesus Christ. Think about this just for one second. What if, um, what if I, instead of calling my wife Kathy, I just from now on referred to her as the greater beauty? I just talked about, I went around talking about um, the greater the greater beauty. And you heard me say, oh, you know, I can't get through my day without the greater beauty. I talk to the greater beauty every day. It is my inspiration. And someone comes along and says, um, that's Kathy. You call her whatever you want to. But for me, it's the greater beauty. You see how ludicrous, I mean, the difference here? One is about a relationship. One is about this nebulous nothing. And God is calling us into relationship with him. We can't make out Jesus to be just whatever. John says that the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus and brings us to the truth that he is God in the flesh. We need discernment. Listen, we understand, I think you'll agree with me, that the church fights over things it shouldn't fight over and then doesn't fight for things that it should fight for. I don't know if I'm saying that very well, but here's a diagram um, I picked up some time ago. I don't know if you can see it very well. These concentric circles, and on the innermost circle are the absolutes. These are the core doctrines of the church. These are the things that really matter. These are the things C.S. Lewis calls mere Christianity. These are the absolutes. And then on the outside of that are convictions. And while not core beliefs, making the difference whether someone will go to heaven or not or is in relationship with God or not, these are beliefs that have significant impact on 
what we believe in the health of the church and various things, the effectiveness of, of the church. Then outside of that, you've got opinions. And these are even less clear-cut issues. These are what the Bible calls debatable, disputable matters that generally are not worth dividing over. And then we just have questions, things no one knows the answer to. So you have these absolutes, these core doctrines that say whether you are a follower of Jesus Christ or not. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, is a core doctrine. It is an absolute. It is not the greatness of God, the sovereignty of God. Those are, to me, are absolutes that we can't, that are non-arguable. Then you have convictions, um, things like baptism, mode of baptism, that are, are, are things for us that we believe the Bible teaches, but there's some dispute about them. And then there's debatable matters about how you live your life in certain ways. I'm not talking about moral issues like sexual issues. I'm talking about food and drink, things like that, that the Bible is not clear on. And then there are just questions that we have. Listen, if the, and, and most churches, honestly, <laughs> if you get into it, a lot of churches fight over just questions. I mean, stupid questions. I mean, really stupid questions. Like, what color chairs are? What color carpet? Those are questions. Those are even disputable matters. Those are just... And yet churches are known for fighting over that kind of stuff and then not over core doctrines. Listen, the world is pushing on us. New age. Just kind of have a whatever you want to believe. You know, just get your crystal, focus, go to Sedona, Arizona. Just, you know, it's a center. You just be centered. Mormonism teaches that Jesus is a spirit brother of Lucifer. Doesn't teach that he is God in the flesh. I mean, I can go... I can go on. And yet, there are many that are calling, saying, it's just, it doesn't matter. Any of those are good. Just find, find your way. Listen, John is very bold here. He is saying, to declare that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh is the dividing line. Anybody who says, that, who acknowledges Jesus Christ is God in the flesh is from God. Why? Because that takes a huge revelation of the Spirit. Do you understand? To acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God, fully God and fully man. Anyone who says that Jesus Christ is not either fully God or fully man is not from God. I know this sounds harsh, but it is the dividing line between followers of God, of Jesus Christ, and those who are not. So, how are you going to test the spirits? Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door. Hey, who is, who is Jesus? Ask him. Ask him who Jesus is. Is he fully God and fully man? By the way, you won't get a direct answer. Because they've been trained to dance around that issue. But I'll just tell you, they, I know I'm sounding like I'm berating other religions today. Forgive me. But John does it. John says, here's the way to test if a spirit is from God or not from God, right? 
is, do they declare Jesus Christ is God in the flesh? And they may dance around the issue, but if they don't land on the spot where they acknowledge, confess, commit that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man, they're a false spirit. You didn't know I I get that bold today. It's been a long week, so just give me grace. Uh, Number two is this, but I'm going to hang on to it. I still believe it's true, even though some people won't say it. Number two, apply spiritual victory in your life. Apply spiritual victory. You, dear children, are from God. You see, John's whole purpose here is is to help you. John's whole purpose here is to encourage you and to say, hey, you are from God, because they were being, they're like, uh, we are, are we on the right track or not? Are we on the right? And he's saying, you're, on, you're headed the right way. You have overcome them. And I don't mean, he doesn't mean overcome like oppressive, economic, you know, like overcome like you're a victor in the sense of you're crushing them. He's talking about from a spiritual sense, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. I'm not going to comment on that verse, but you could just underline it and say, why are we so unpopular? Could it be that we're not telling people what they want to hear? Who are the most popular? They're the ones who are telling them. They're from the world. They know the lingo of the world and they're telling the world what they want to hear. The world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Now, doesn't that sound like... I mean, really think about it. Hey, anybody who listens to me, he's from God. Anybody who doesn't listen to me, he's not from God. I mean, that sounds a little arrogant, doesn't it? But John is talking about this specific truth about who Jesus Christ is. He's apostolic in his pronouncement about the, the person of Jesus Christ. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Again, here's the second thing that really John, I think, wants us to know. We need to develop discernment. And this discernment isn't hard to develop because it hinges upon the person of Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. Now let's apply the spiritual victory that we've received. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's my spiritual victory. Not... Not what I've done, but what he is doing in me. There are a lot of different ways to do your Christian life. <clears throat> the Mariana Trench is like, what, two miles deep? I mean, maybe more than that. Mark says seven miles deep. I don't think Mark knows. Uh, but it's really deep. It's really, well, I don't know. It's deep, right? The ocean, deep. And we made submarines with these really thick walls of steel that can go down to the bottom and kind of investigate. And you know what they found down there? Like fish. With little scales. Thin, you know, man's in this iron thing trying to keep from getting crushed by the pressure. And there's this little fish swimming around with nothing. Why is that? Because the pressure in the fish is the same as the pressure outside the fish. To me, 
there's pressure in this world, and there's different ways you can deal with it. One of the ways the church has tried to deal with it in years past is to build a wall around us. Keep the world out. A lot of ways we can go about that. We act fearfully trying to keep the world out. But what John is saying is this, look, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The pressure of the world will not crush you if you truly know who you are in Jesus Christ. And that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. go here. I I think there are tons of good reasons to homeschool your children. Tons of good reasons. But one that's not good is fear of the world. I, I mean, I think there are tons of good reasons. What are we saying? If we say, oh, I gotta isolate my kids. I can't let anything touch. No, I'm not talking about being stupid and taking your kids to the bars or X rated movies. Stay with me just for, I'm just talking about living life. I'm saying we must teach our children that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You have nothing to fear. Now, I'm not talking about, again, releasing them before there's some discernment. Please hear my balance. I'm just saying Christians cannot act fearfully and have a monastic view of the world. Our only hope is to live in a desert with walls around. It's not successful. As a matter of fact, I think it's counter to what God has told us to do. How are we going to go and make disciples if we live isolated, fearful existence? John isn't saying that. John is saying be discerning. Be lights in the world. But know who you are in him. You are an overcomer. You're an overcomer. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I feel like I'm making a great deal of progress. I feel like I've come out of the subway and I'm standing on the corner. Not sure where to go, so I just stand there, afraid that I might make a wrong turn. That's my nature. Your nature may be to bolt off. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going somewhere. Listen, John is trying to say, here's the way you stay on track. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Not only your eyes, but your heart, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You're not just looking at him up there. You're knowing him in here. And acknowledging him. Jesus Christ, just to review, Jesus Christ came in the flesh. I, I love this phrase, by the way. He, he doesn't say Jesus Christ was born. I mean, he was born, right? But he says Jesus Christ came, which means what? Exactly, he was somewhere before he came here. He didn't just start existing here. He came in the flesh because he is God. And in the flesh, 
shows his purpose was to restore us into, uh, he was to redeem and restore and reveal who we are in Christ. He didn't come to help us escape, but rather to transform. If you take notes, I'd write that down. Um, Because of this, much of the world and church says, you're now a Christian. Now, what do I do? Well, just hang on till you die. And then you get to go to heaven rather than hell. Isn't that good news? Well, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. I mean, I'd rather go to heaven than hell, wouldn't you? But is that really the best I can hope for? Is that really why Jesus came to die for me? So that when I die, I get to go to heaven and hell. So my best option then, if I'm going to go to heaven rather than hell, is to try and between now and then not to screw up too badly. To kind of live some sort of meaningful life between now. I I don't think that even comes close to the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is this. God came to transform you now. And he thought so much about transforming you now that he put his spirit that John's talking about within you to empower you to transform who you are. So the gospel isn't just a death gospel, it's a life gospel, transforming our lives now. And we can go out in faith saying, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Now, I get to go from this place to apply the spiritual victory that's already been given to me to the world around me. Is it going to be popular? Probably not. Not probably. No, it's not going to be popular. But it is truth, and we stand on the truth. This morning, I I just want, hopefully, not to offend... (laughs) I may have at some point, forgive me if I did, but my point is not to offend, but to encourage you and say, we can do this. We can do it not because we've got anything, not because we're anything special or smart or talented or rich, but greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. God in the flesh is Jesus, who now indwells me through the person of the Holy Spirit, Now I get to go out and demonstrate to the world around me and apply the spiritual victory so that we can see the world transformed. I believe it's time for the church to live as more than a conqueror. I believe it's time for fullness and us as individuals and families to live as more than conquerors, which means we can't be in a a fort. We got to get out. We got to get outside to be conquerors. I'm just going to pray for us and allow God to minister to us in these moments ahead. And then we're going to have a time of ministry where we pray for one another. It may be that you're here today, and I, I am going to pray for us, uh, but it's because some of you already bowed your heads. So oh, he's praying. Um, let me lead into it. Here's the, the thought. I want you to say, God, am I living my life as more than a conqueror on the truth of who Jesus Christ is? And if not, is there some fear in me that, God, 
you need to take out of me. Because you haven't given us a spirit of fear. But a power, love, sound mind. We know that scripture passage. Is there fear in me that needs to be removed? Is there faults that needs to be replaced with truth? Am I in some way believing a lie? Because this truth about who Jesus is has ramifications about everything in your life. God in the flesh. We talked about some of those last week. If not, and you want somebody to pray with you, if your answer is no, I need help in some of these areas, we're going to have teams of people to pray with you across the front in just a moment. And they're going to minister to you. You may also be here today and you have a health issue or need wisdom for direction or relational healing with someone that you know. If so, these teams are here to pray for you. Uh, But first, let me pray for us. Let the Spirit of God move. And as I pray, I'm going to ask our ministry teams to come to the front and spread out across the front. Then when I'm done praying, if you want prayer, come to one of these teams as Mitch leads us in worship. Lord, we thank you this morning that your truth rules and reigns, that you are life. Lord, I pray that uh, if there's anything I've said this morning that's not of you, let it just fall away. But God, let the truth of Christ prevail and remain. Lord, I pray that, first of all, we would acknowledge, confess, and commit to the truth that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Fully God, fully man. And Lord, we acknowledge that only by the Spirit of God can we even come to this realization of truth. So, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who has not both believed and confessed who Jesus is, the truth of that, that, God, you would direct them today, that today would be the day when they move from darkness and a life of living their own way to a life of light and in relationship with you. Draw them, Spirit of God, to the name of Jesus. Lord, for those of us who are followers of Christ, where we've in some way allowed lies to creep into us and accusations and fear and other things, then, Lord, I pray that you would touch our lives, that fear would be driven far from us, and instead we would walk in the truth about what you say about us, about who you say we are, about who indwells us, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Lord, touch us. As we pray for one another, as we minister life, Spirit of God, move among us. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, just come to the front. Uh, one of these teams will pray for you. While we have this time of prayer, Mitch is going to minister to us and sing, and we want to encourage you to join in. So stand up with me, and uh, let's worship God in these remaining moments. And if you need prayer, just come right now and receive prayer. You dance over me while I 